Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the class. We're going to go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and read our verse together. It's Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It, it's good for me. Yeah, it's good. It's a little hot. <laughs> if you're hot and bothered, here's a little plan. Hurry with your worries to the ice cream man. <laughs> That's from the Little Rascals. <laughs> Our gang. That'll take us back a few years. How many of you do not know what I'm talking about at all? <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. We're going through our series. I know Thomas Road is ending there today, but I never, you know, can do a series this short. So I'm going to be continuing for, throughout part of the summer on family and home improvements. And today I'm talking about responsibility. Responsibility. Responsibility, I think, is something that we all want to incorporate and develop in our, our lives and in our families. And like Pastor Charles says, there's nothing new under the sun out there. And so I've done my study as well this week and I've got things from a lot of different authors. And so I hope that you understand that as well. None of the things that I teach is new under the sun that just comes from this brain alone. But I uh, take wisdom from a lot of folks. Proverbs 22, 6. This is start children off or train children in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not turn from it. That children also includes us as adults. All of us in this room are part of this proverb, if you will. All of us have been trained some way. All of us have experienced things some way, and we're creating an atmosphere for continuous training. In other words, we mimic what often we see, and we do things, whether it's good or bad. In fact, some of you in this room, including myself, set this phrase in your head. When I get married, I'm not going to blank. Because we did not like it the way we were raised. And yet, we found ourselves later doing the exact same things that we said we did not want to do because it was natural for us. And we had to relearn, rethink, re-educate ourselves in the right way to do certain things. We also practice good things. Um, you know, I was talking to, to somebody this week and uh, we were talking about uh, families and vacations and I said, oh, one of the things that uh, when I left home, uh, the one time in, our, in my life, at least, when discipline occurred very little, okay, was on vacations. Otherwise, it was like constant. So vacations were like amazing. It was a great time. And I said, when I get married, I'm going to have a vacation every single summer. I'm going to do something. And I remember Cheryl and I pup tending our first year of marriage because that's what we could afford. And it was an experience. Um, and some of you, would, Cheryl's idea of historically of of uh, camping was days in. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and that was thirty years ago, you know. Uh, but uh, she was willing to put up with it for a few years, and uh, and then we eventually said, okay, 
my bones don't take it anymore. But vacations are fun. And we, 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 so there's things that we learn that we kind of do. And, you know, it, it's always funny. You know, and I'm going to say because she's here. Michelle's here today. One of the things that Cheryl and I love to do. In fact, I even said this morning. I go, where are we going to go drive today? Even in the midst of, of paying $4 plus per gallon of gas. I don't care. I, I want to get out and see the countryside. I want to go someplace and do something. See the world a little bit. See what we won't be able to see from our living room. Um, and so, you know, and we're talking about that. We love doing that. And sometimes when the kids are growing up, they're really like, uh, we're going for a drive. And the most, the most hilarious thing that Cheryl and I begin laughing about is when Michelle and well, Luke would tell us, oh, we went for a drive. <laughs> Really? <laughs> that was fun. Not so much anymore with four dollar gallon gas, but nevertheless, there's a lot of training that takes place as we watch our parents, we watch our children watch us, we watch each other. There's a lot of pressure. We're on social media, and we look at what people do, and there's a sense of I need to do that too in order to be happy. There's a lot of pressure that's out there today. And the bottom line is, is that God wants us to be responsible and take responsibility uh, and do things, not just because someone else does them, because it's the right thing to do. We must, I like the word train, we must train ourselves to be responsible. Because there's going to be a natural inclination of our hearts that will basically go, I don't want to be responsible today. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a word or phrase that I just despise. If you use it and you love it, I don't care. That's great. But for me, I don't like the term adulting. I don't want to be adulting today or I'm not adulting, you know. It's like, I don't want to be an adult. I want to be a kid. And I get that. You know, there's a time in our life when we're like, I just don't want to be responsible. And I have to be honest with you. There have been times in my life when I've said, you know, I'm tired of being good. Amen, brother. Okay. I'm with you. You know, and it's like, you know, and then I've got to go, stop it. You know, because that's, that's, that's wrong thinking. You have to train yourself. Look. So what is so challenging about responsibility and being responsible? What's so hard about adulting? <laughs> Growing up. You, got to, you have to be responsible to take the steps in the right order. Good. Yeah. Uh, Lord, I remember she first went to JMU. She was there maybe at two months. She called. She goes, I'm over adulting. <laughs> <laughs> All the bills I have to pay for my rent and school. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it isn't necessarily fun. Yes, exactly. Being responsible for paying bills, et cetera. What else? What's so challenging? People are watching and you're modeling. Yeah. And when you're doing that, you're not responsible. You see that too. Yeah, people are watching you. 
And it's like they're watching whether you will be responsible or won't be responsible. I mean, I know it's so funny. I, this again, not trying to guilt anybody. I don't, you know, this is no big deal. But when you, you ever go into a neighborhood and everybody has their lawn mowed except for one, and they get noticed, you know, it's like, why don't they mow their lawn? Because they don't want to mow it, you know? What, yeah, it's like people do things differently. They do things for different reasons. But think about it. Responsibility. I mean, it's like you get frustrated if you like, if you were to hire somebody and they don't do their job. How many of you have ever been responsible because you've hired someone and they haven't showed up? Hey, okay, you know what I'm talking about? Or we saw it this week. Someone's on Facebook asking for help with lawn mowing because the person that they had asked, the company that they had asked, hadn't showed up for two weeks. Okay. It's like, well, are they busy or irresponsible? Or why don't you mow your own lawn? But anyways, that's another issue. Okay. Um, how is this a spiritual discipline? The idea of being responsible and taking responsibility. How is this a spiritual discipline? It's an issue of being accountable. You're responsible. You're accountable. Okay, excellent point. Somebody else? Yeah, Donna. You're not responsible. It usually affects somebody else in a negative way. Somebody else has to pick up the slack. Yeah, and when we're not responsible, somebody else has to pick up the slack. And it could be a simple thing as saying, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll help you move. And then someone asks you, hey, you want to go to the ball game? Uh, yeah. And you just don't show up because you got a better offer. You know, then the others that are actually there have to work harder to accomplish the same task. Many hands make light work, few hands make hard labor. <laughs> okay? You understand that? Somebody else? Why is it a spiritual discipline? Well, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. So if we're ignoring Him, then we're also quenching the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is actually guiding our life to help us, you know, and, and maybe convicting us to do the right thing, to be responsible. Someone read Ephesians 5.15 for me then. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So in other words, we've got to be careful of how we live our life. We have to understand that what we do actually matters. That we have to be responsible. That we should show responsibility in what we do and don't do. What are the competitors to responsibility? Um... I found this online and I thought this was so applicable. Uh, entitlement, okay? I deserve this. How many of you have ever heard on commercials that talk about the fact that you deserve this, right? You see it all the time. It's like this idea, um, I should have to work for this. <clears throat> okay? Now, there's a debate right now going on with some, some people who have it are like, yes! Those who don't have it or pay for theirs are saying, no, it's like, you know, paying off student loans, you know? <clears throat> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny. Oh, no, I better not. <laughs> Someone was talking about it on Facebook. And it's like they were talking, speaking out against this idea of paying off student loans. And uh, the, one of the people that are on there that has literally 
over $100,000 in student loans, said, yeah, people need to be responsible and pay for, and pay for their loans. Okay? <clears throat> but I wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> text. Um, but didn't you sign up for that program for the government? Did you just pay the minimum balance for 10 years and then it pays off your loan in full? So you actually, you're only going to be paying about 20% of your loan? <laughs> you're welcome. Exactly. You know, it's like, you're not paying yours off either. Dude. Dudette. <laughs> you know? What are other examples of the entitlement idea? Yeah, Gary. Someone who puts in a really good amount of work, let's just even say their best, um, they deserve to get the highest grade. So, yeah, regardless of the actual quality of it. Right, so if I just work really hard, then I should be the most successful. Which that's, we clearly know that it's not how it works anyway. Yes. I just randomly thought that I should be making as much money as my boss. Wow, Tammy, you're right on the money there, right? What, what are the expectations of graduates' expectations of how much money they should make? I have I had a friend who was a pastor who actually said to me, because I, I was interviewing a student, uh, this, was, I, I, this was 15 years ago, is I was interviewing a student for a youth pastor position in my church. The church ran a few hundred, about 300. And, uh, and the student came in and said, during the interview, he's, the pastor asked him, how much should you begin making? He said, oh, I should start off a salary of 50000 and, and he was like, why? Well, because of my education experience. He said, what's your education? I've got a degree from Liberty University. And literally, this is what he said. And what's your experience? Oh, I work scare me. <laughs> I love scare me. Great experience, but that's not pastoral ministry. <laughs> you know, I, I, I should have to work for this. Uh, a lot of ideas, you know, and again, if they're blessed, praise the Lord. If a church wants to pay them or a dumb company wants to pay them, great. The issue is, is that should they have to work for what they get? My rights. I, de I demand my rights. What type of rights do people demand today? <laughs> Lucas is ready to communicate. What? Everything. In a nutshell, everything. Tish. My friends who have gotten their um, citizenship the right way are not fans of those who are trying to get in and not. Sure, you know. Demand my rights. Uh, some people who have went through the process to become citizens of the United States don't like those who have come in a different way. What else? Yeah, Mike. Well, a lot of people today confuse rights with responsibilities. The things that they ought to do and make sure that they take care of doing, they want as a right to be given to them. Yeah, exactly. Donna. The right not to be offended. The <laughs> right not to be offended. Yeah. Sandy. Realizing that 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and it is what everybody's different. Again, everybody's financial situation is different, and so you can't even know what's going on. The the, the shame of it though is is that um, there are people who want to show the outside without having anything on the inside. I mean, literally, there's people who are paying for their home that can't afford any items in the home because they want to look like they've got a home that's nice or whatever the case may be. And these ideas can get into our heads. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to fathom the fact. I know I'm old now, not as old as some of you in here, praise the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> our, fir our first home that we paid off was 41.5 here in Lynchburg. 41.5. Can you believe, you know, that is, is an actual home? It was actually a home. Yeah. We saw this lady on YouTube. Her right was to feed her family, right? So she went to a supermarket and was stealing a full cart of meat while the manager was staying there, but that was her right. Yeah. It was her right to steal. A right to steal food, meat, from a grocery store. It was put on cart before, yeah. It's not my fault. People blame everyone else for their problems. What are examples of shifting the blame? Hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I looked down and I saw you, so it goes to my head. Before you're in your current position, you were a state police officer, right? You know, I, the first one that always comes to my mind is, but I was just keeping up with traffic. It's not my fault, I wasn't speeding, I was just keeping up with traffic. I was actually being a good citizen. I wasn't a traffic hazard. Right. <laughs> to speed limit. That's funny too. Yeah. And some of you are going, what's his point? <laughs> Sorry, I hate to always go to that one. What are examples of the victim? Yeah, Sandy. Last service wrote uh, Genesis three. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Marriages, it's their fault. Marriages, it's their fault. Shifting the blame. I, I would just invite us all to ask ourselves the question: uh, Is that do we understand that principle of shifting responsibility? And then the next time we begin to say it, we stop ourselves. Okay, to think through that, to take ownership. And like Pastor Charles said, to learn how to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Gary. In many cases, it's multiple people that are to blame. But I think when we say, when we first come out and say it's someone else's fault, we're, we're actually failing to acknowledge what part of the fault is ours. 
Scripture says, take care of your own fault first before you even try to address the fault of others. I think that's how we rationalize. Because there's truth in us saying so-and-so's fault, too. Right. So and we we'll just address that. We don't address what's going on with us. And even still, it's good to t take care of the beam in your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye or try to, at least communicating that. But isn't ultimately what happiness, what joy, what satisfaction comes with blaming somebody else? Isn't the bottom line to bring resolution? Isn't it just to bring resolve and, and confession and forgiveness and move on in positivity? To say, you know what? Where's this going to lead? Where does this go? When I start the blame game, you always, you never, you whatever, and we start this idea, where does it eventually lead to? It doesn't lead to anywhere positive. And the, the question you have to ask yourself is, is there real benefit in this? Now, there are times when bad behavior needs to be addressed. Amen? Yes. Hurtful behavior needs to be addressed. And we need to bring resolution to that as well. And, and a person needs to take ownership of it. Even if you disagree with them. Okay? You have to take ownership of that and understand where they're coming from. And then pray. If you go, no, I am perfectly right in this. They just don't get it. Then what ultimately ends up having to do is pray and let the Holy Spirit work on them. Let God work in their hearts and life. Now, Lou, my I think the question, and I'm going to clarify that a little bit. I think I know the heart of the matter. I think the issue is, is that if they're asking you to apologize, even though you may disagree with them, you do it because you're doing it for them because of their understanding of the situation, though that their understanding of the situation may be completely wrong. But in your mind, you're bringing resolution. So you're asking forgiveness for whatever they're struggling with at that point. In their minds, this is what's happened. And so you do it, not, not, but I don't want, I don't think you should ever give forgiveness for something that you haven't done. Um, in other words, just to make nice, nice. You, you really have to get down to the core of the matter. But there are times when they go, that offended me. And you go, I did nothing wrong. Well, at that point you go, okay, if I've offended you, then I, I'll ask for forgiveness. But I'll also be praying God's, your Holy Spirit has got to fix their heart and mind because they're not, they're wrong on this issue. Okay. They, they are clearly, you know, whatever. For example, a father that may discipline their child too harshly and you as a wife come to them and say, you're too harsh. You're, you're, you're on the border of abuse. No, I'm not. And at that point you go, okay, you know, and they may not even get it. And they may go, okay, let me, let me talk through that one. And you, they may even disagree with you. But at that point, they may have, God's Holy Spirit may have to deal with that. You know, and I, I know my dad was that way. When my dad beat us, and he beat us. He didn't discipline us. He beat us. When he beat us, a couple days later, when he'd start talking to us again, he would say things like, you know, you know uh, 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 you're talking to me now, so I guess everything's cool. And it wasn't, but he said, you know, in, my, in his mind, um, he, he didn't do anything wrong. But then he would go, 
you know, we tell them, Dad, when you get this way, you are just it, the look of evil. And it's so scary. We walk on eggshells. Really? He really sincerely didn't understand it. He was blown away when we would communicate truth to him about it. And he, at times you could sense he was trying to work on it, but it was something that he dealt with. So there are times when you do that, but you work within the, the nature of what's going on there, and you're trying to let the Holy Spirit then begin to, to do that. Um, why should we live a responsible life and teach it to our children? Because we're accountable for our actions. Someone read for me Hebrews 4.13. God is watching. I don't... I don't know that we really understand that truth. The only thing we understand is immediate action. Here's what I mean by that. If... And I, I'm sorry to go back to your analogy, but it's simple to understand. If you're driving down the road, okay, and there's a state police or a sheriff or a city police officer driving 500 feet in front of you, do you speed? Do you pass them going 70 in a 55? Do you? No. Why? Because you don't want to get a ticket. Okay? That makes sense. That's reasonable. Okay? And yet, when they are not visible, will you speed? Yes. Okay? In hopes that you won't get caught. So we understand that in a real practical way in regards to driving. Now, here's the other thing, though. God is always with us. But when we sin, we don't tend to feel his discipline immediately. Even habitual sin, what Pastor Charles was talking about this morning, may not be punished or disciplined, better word, immediately. We tend to respond to the fear of immediate punishment. And by the way, I'm not going to go into the psychology of it, but literally the studies have been done and that the fear of punishment on the moral scale is the lowest form of reasons for doing the right thing. <laughs> and yet that tends to be where we all live. We live in the place where I'm not going to do something because I'm afraid of getting caught. The highest moral is when we do it because that's who we are. We're moral. It's our nature. It's our character. We do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Okay? That's where God wants to bring every single one of us. That we take responsibility for our actions and that we do the right thing because it's who we are. We're followers of Christ. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We are the friend of God. We are a, a child of God. We're a joint heir with Jesus as we travel with Saul, right? The whole thing. 
God is watching us, but he's not watching us like a state police officer ready to give us a ticket. And that's why we tend not to worry. And if we're not careful, we can take advantage of his mercy and grace. And we can put ourselves in a position where we're much worse off. God wants us to do it because we love him, not because we're going to get disciplined by him. We will all stand before God's judgment. Romans 14, 10b to 12. Someone read that for me. So every one of us, every child in this room, every adult in this room, every person in this world is going to give an account of herself or himself to God. We will give an account of ourselves to God. Every one of us. Our knees going to bow. Our tongue's going to confess. I'm not the Lord. He is. So I'm going to give an account for that. And so I want to do the right thing. I want to be responsible. I want to teach this. I want to create an atmosphere for us to have a spiritual family to the, you know, to the glory of God. But what type of, of judgment will this be for Christians? 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15 says this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. That day is the day when we will be judged. It will be revealed by fire with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, what we do matters. In other words, when that day comes, our works on the beam of seat judgment, we are, we are not being judged for our sin at that point. Because Jesus paid it all. Amen? He became the sacrifice. We're not being judged for our sins. Jesus was judged for our sins. He suffered and died. 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sin. The just for Luke, the unjust. So that he can bring me to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. He rose again. That's the truth of this. But yet, what's going to happen? Why am I going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? What's the beam of seat judgment all about? I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and the works that I've done will be, will be pushed through the fire, if you will. And the idea is this. Wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up. In other words, anything that I do in the flesh... Anything I do for my glory, anything I do uh, in, in my own attitudes, in my own for my own benefit, and not and not for the other for others. If I'm selfish, I'm self-motivated. I'm not building others up. I'm building myself up and tearing them down. Whatever the case may be, all of that will be burned up. Only that which was done for Christ will last. Right. And so when we do things for his glory, when we've got the right attitude, we're doing things with the right motive, when we're doing things for his glory, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and not our own glory, 
And everything that we do, when we do that for his glory and his purpose, we're, we're selfless, we're helping others, that is, is the gold, that is the silver, that's the costly stones. That when it goes through the fire, it's, pre it's preserved. It's left over. Those are the rewards. Now, does that mean we're going to have gold and silver and precious stones in heaven? No, I don't think that's the issue here. It's the idea of what are you doing? A couple weeks ago, I talked about the Bible teaches, right? Matthew teaches us store treasures in heaven. We'll talk about that. So everything we do should glorify God. First Corinthians ten thirty one, right? And I love the fact I've said this before, but I love the fact that Paul doesn't address something ultimately spiritual. Whether we sing, whether we pray, whether we preach, do it all to the glory of God. He doesn't deal with that. Because everything that a Christian does is spiritual. It's supposed to be spiritual. That's why he uses eating and drinking or whatever you do. In the littlest of things of life, when, when, when you're uh, helping a friend, do it to the glory of God. When you're changing a diaper, you do it to the glory of God. When you're disciplining your child, you're doing it to the glory of God. When you're mowing the lawn, you're doing it to the glory of God. When you're doing the laundry, you're doing it to the glory of God. When you're dusting or cleaning your house or doing what you do, you go to your job to provide for your family, you're doing, you should be doing it to the glory of God. When you're driving on the road, you do it to the glory of God. When you go out to eat, you do it to the glory of God. You know, everything you do should be to the glory of God. Nothing in your life should ever be done that we think in our minds, this is into your glory. And that's why I always joke with the students every year. I go, you know what? We can all disagree about drinking alcohol and all those kinds of things. And you're in a state where, where smoking marijuana is legal for medicinal purposes or whatever you want to call it. And I go, oh, fine. Okay, if you are fully convinced by the Lord, Romans 14, you're fully convinced that what you're doing is, is acceptable to God, be at peace with it. I go, be, be careful. I mean, are you going to go, dear glory, God, I'm doing this for you. Praise the Lord. Wow. Strawberry feels fresh. Okay. And, and, you know, and I always get the looks from some students and I, I go, now if you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, that's just sacrilegious, then you don't have the faith to believe it's, it's okay for you. If you can't lift the glass to the glory of God and go to your glory, and you that's sacrilegious, yeah, don't do that. Because you're not fully convinced it's right for you. And neither am I. But you know what? I'm not your judge. God is. Do everything to the glory of God. To his glory and not your own. How you dress should be to the glory of God. Everything we do is for his glory. Because what we do impacts other people. This influence can be positive or negative. Give me examples of this. What does what we do impact people in a positive way? encourages them to let it know it can be done. If somebody sees you doing the right thing, even in a tough situation, it lets them know that somebody else has done it, I can do it. 
Yeah, excellent. Somebody else has done it, I can do it too. Great. Yeah. Well, and you lay a good foundation for your kids. I mean, while they're growing up, even though as adults they may not follow it, they can they can still show you appreciation of the fact that you've shown them what it does for. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I I, I I don't say this to embarrass them, but I am very grateful that Lucas and Michelle are in church. Now, here's the point. Um, I, I, I want to make sure you understand this. I have never required that they come to church or come to this class. Uh, and, and if they choose to ch another church one day that they're more comfortable in or they're growing in, praise the Lord. I have no problem with that. All I care about is they're in church. <laughs> and they're using their gifts and talents for the Lord. You know? Just, they're encouraging to one another. This, uh, that's awesome. Okay? And so, when, when that, that, that's a positive thing. What, what are some negative things that could impact people's life? When you berate somebody and other people are watching, then it's usually very negative. So, when you're berating somebody, you're, you're speaking down to them, you're negative. It, it gives them kind of like, you know, it's a culture. It can, they can cause them to do the same things, even, even retaliation. That's why. One of the first verses I hope all of us memorize in context of that is Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Yeah. Right, and that's why I love, we use it all the time, but Pastor Charles used it this morning. Hurting people hurt others. And usually it's that insecurity that they push onto other people by hurting them to make themselves feel better, but ultimately that makes them feel any better. And other people are going to hear that same principle. First Corinthians 10 24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Um, Last week we went to 10 after and I shouldn't have done that. So um, I'm going to, it's 10.58, so I'll go ahead and finish this lesson for now. And we'll pick this up. But uh, let me just remind you, keep this sheet, if you will, and we'll pick it up. And uh, next time I speak, and then ultimately the bottom line is, is that as we go through this, uh, responsibility is one of those things that nobody really wants to have. But we it, it, it love the benefits that come from it. And you will gain benefits by being responsible. And the pain and frustration of teaching responsibility. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to teach children responsibility. And you get tired of teaching responsibility. But you need to keep doing it. And in your own life. Teach yourself. I need to teach myself to be responsible. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Take these words from your scripture and apply it to our hearts and minds. And when we walk out of this place, may, may we learn this principle and apply it in a practical way so that we are building others up and helping others 
and bringing glory to you, which is ultimately, Lord, according to your word, for our benefit, for our good. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great day.